It's nearly 2 a.m. early Sunday morning. I've just watched back OU's overtime win over Army after getting back from Norman late Saturday night, and there's so many thoughts running through my head. Instead of utilizing some sort of scattershot technique where I randomly throw out things I'm thinking, it's probably best that I go back to my very first thought once I saw Parnell Motley intercept that final pass, which sealed the Sooners' victory. OU survived. This season still matters. Sure, a Sooners loss would not have fully eliminated Oklahoma from the college football playoff, but it would have lowered the Sooners' margin of error for the rest of the season. A season that is only four weeks old, and a season that includes games against at least six more teams that will provide a much bigger test than the Black Knights from Army. Two weeks into the season, we all felt really good about this Oklahoma team. But following back-to-back weeks of stressful games against schools that would lose to Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, and maybe some other teams in college football by at least four touchdowns each, I feel eerily similar to how I felt about the Sooners last year when they barely beat Baylor and Waco and then lost to Iowa State at home. But this time, Baker Mayfield is not on the roster. Sure, Kyler Murray has played incredibly well so far, But he's not Baker Mayfield. And if this Oklahoma defense ends up looking way more like the 2017 version, as opposed to the new and improved version we thought we might have after two weeks of the season, I just haven't seen enough of Kyler Murray to have the confidence that he'll be able to provide enough magic to overcome another season of opposing teams scoring at will against an Oklahoma defense that just cannot figure it out. I'm Lee Benson. This is West of Everest. On fourth and seven, Hopkins will throw it. It's up in the air, and that'll do it. Intercepted by Parnell Motley. Oklahoma survives. Parnell Motley clinches an Oklahoma win for the second week in a row with an interception. The Sooners eke out an overtime victory over Army 28-21. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the show. Once again, I am Lee Benson. Like I said earlier, I've got so many thoughts about Saturday's game swimming around in my head. So let's not waste any time jumping in today. Grant will bring him in here in a second. And I want to begin with this question. Grant, what was your initial thoughts when Parnell Motley intercepted that pass and you knew Oklahoma was getting out of there with a win on Saturday? Hi, Lee. Um, generally, I'm mean, just just happy they won, first of all, or just relieved they won. Um, but also then your your mind quickly turns to, wow, I mean, this team sure has a lot of work. And uh, I'm not also not really sure they are who we thought they were. Um, so certainly a lot of thoughts after that game. A very A, a game that was very, very stressful. Um, in a game that really should not have been, and it's very unfortunate that it was. That was that was one of the worst performances I've seen from an Oklahoma football team in in the last two decades. I can't remember. Did you say when you made the prediction last week? Did you say Oklahoma would be able to cover that thirty-one point spread? I said it probably wasn't looking good. Uh, I, it, it was unlikely, and it okay. kind of it played out exactly. Oh, yeah, the, the game played out exactly how Army envisioned it if they were to have any sort of hope of winning. Um, but, I mean, just what a weird game. They had six possessions. The reason I asked that question is, yeah, I 
I didn't think Oklahoma would cover, but I think I predicted something along the lines of a pretty close, like Oklahoma will win by 30 or maybe even a 31 right on the number. And obviously that didn't happen. So, I mean, I, I was wrong for the most part. It was a lot closer than I thought. But as I was going to the game yesterday, and of course we record these on Sundays now, I was getting the feeling and the sense from the Oklahoma faithful that a lot of people anticipated this game to play out more like that 31-point spread, like Oklahoma was going to just win this game going away, no problem. And I, I just didn't understand why they felt that way because of the way Army plays, the way the, their, their offense is set. They're designed to hold the football for a long time and prevent other teams from touching the football. And one of my concerns on the previous podcast was Oklahoma maximizing all of its possessions because I was afraid that Army would take the air out of the football and limit Oklahoma. And I, I think I, I was thinking like maybe 10 possessions because that's what Baylor got a few weeks ago in week one. I think Baylor only got the ball 10 times, which Duke. I mean, 10 to, oh, I'm sorry, Duke. Yeah, because uh, Duke and Baylor played this year. That's why I had Baylor and had uh, Duke. You're right. Thanks for correcting me. Duke had the ball 10 times against Army, which 10 possessions is, is not terrible, but in a game – Normally, you're going to get somewhere between, I believe, you know, like 11 and 14 uh, in a regular game. Oklahoma only got seven on Saturday. I think you said six. It was seven, I believe, uh, unless we're not counting uh, overtime. No, you're right. Yeah. You're right. I, I forgot the, uh, the possession at the end of the second half where Kyler got sacked. So only, yeah, seven possessions. And that was, like you said, the, 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 the horror scenario playing out for Oklahoma if Army was going to stay in this game and Army did so we're going to talk all about this here's what I want to begin with though last week at this time you and I were very hard on this Oklahoma defense for its performance against Iowa State and in case you all forgot the Cyclone scored 27 points against OU averaged nearly seven yards per play 6.8 to be exact Zeb Nolan threw for 360 yards and two touchdowns. Hakeem Butler went for 174 yards and two touchdowns. Both of those players had career days. Then this past Saturday, that very same Iowa State team played at home yet again, this time against Akron out of the MAC, and Iowa State managed one fewer point, 26, just 5.2 yards per play, which was 1.6 yards per play fewer than the Cyclones got against Oklahoma. Nolan threw for 125 yards less, and Butler had nearly 100 fewer yards receiving. Just wanted to get all those numbers out there right away because clearly Akron had better success slowing Iowa State's offense than the Sooners did. So, again, last week at this time, we were hard on the defense, and I remember that I think you said something along the lines that of that this Army game is not going to really tell us a whole lot about the defense as, as far as it, if it has improved since that Iowa State game because of Army's unique offense a triple option the wishbone wing tv or whatever you want to call it they are so dynamic when it comes to all those old school type offensive plays after seeing this game and seeing army hold on to the football for 45 minutes of game time and run 87 plays against the sooners grant have we learned anything new about the sooners defense I think uh, there's certainly been a little more evidence presented that maybe this isn't the greatest coach defense ever because they're certainly not a very sound defense. Um, and, you know, that was that was a big problem last year. And it's it's been a big problem in the last two games for sure. And I thought it was a it was a problem that showed up a little bit in UCLA game at times as well. Um, Lee, defending the triple option is all about discipline, maintaining your keys and just being sound. And that's 
the exact opposite of what we saw from Oklahoma on Saturday. So of course it, it leads, you know, me to be concerned about the rest of the season, especially playing in the big 12, where a lot of the offenses are designed to punish you if you don't remain sound. Um, it's just, it's, it's, it's concerning that it, it's, it looks like a trend now because I mean, that was, this was pretty much mired, this mired all of kind of last season as well on the defensive side of the ball. And I mean, we're seeing, seeing evidence of it again, and it's concerning, especially, you know, coming into a game and where you have, you have such a talent advantage in the trenches and whatnot. And Lee, they just, they just downright did not look ready to play or prepared to defend the option at all. And that's just very disappointing. And that's why I was not confident that Oklahoma would be able to cover that big number just because I didn't have any confidence coming out of that Iowa State game in the defense and being disciplined and sound enough to slow down a triple option offense enough to where Army would maybe have some quick three and out possessions and not be able to hold on to the football for four or five minutes at a time. And that's what didn't happen. Army held the ball. I mean, I think they had two different possessions where it seemed like they had the football for eight, nine minutes in that game. There, here's our, Here are the bullet points of, of why I believe Oklahoma had such a, a difficult time getting Army off the field in that game. Number one, fatigue. When you are on the field for 45 minutes and you're just grinding out against the same plays over and over again, and there's, it's just on the trenches, you're getting hit. And all these guys are, are constantly boom, boom, boom. It's old school, hit you in the mouth football. You're going to get tired. And I guess moreover, the lack of depth on that interior line, and Mike Stoops brought it up post game, and it's something that it, I think it's been a problem at least the last two games and maybe even the last three. You know, Tyree Slot, Marquez Overton are not playing. They're out right now on that interior line, so that's two fewer big guys inside. So that means that what Oklahoma's had to to get uh, Gallimore in there, you know, they got Amani Bledsoe, they got Dylan Famatau. Uh, who am I missing? I mean, the, the the interior linemen, there's really not a lot of bodies that they can get in there, which is very important when you're facing the option because those interior linemen plus the middle linebackers, the inside linebackers, need to take away that dive play, which on Saturday was Curtis Bolton and Kenneth Murray's job. Uh, more bullet points of why Oklahoma was so unsuccessful against the option. A lack, I think there was a lack of understanding and stopping this sort of offense. And you could say, what did they have? A week to prepare for it? Yeah, that's, that's not a whole lot of time. And I know that Oklahoma hasn't faced a triple option team since 2010. So it's not like they've faced one recently. Uh, but still, I, I you know I don't know if in the off season this is something that they would he, go go over every once in a while because they knew they were playing Army in Week Four. I don't know if that's a thing that coaches do or teams do, or if it's just that's too far ahead. We can't really prepare for that now. We got to think about Florida Atlanta. We got to think about the the games that are ahead of that one. I don't know. So you know, the one week to prepare maybe that was a problem. And then finally, to me, it looked like there was an unwillingness to adjust during the game. Oklahoma played the same exact defensive set the entire game, all 87 plays. They did the exact same thing on defense, which I can only imagine for an Army team looking at that across and the offensive coaches seeing that, okay, Oklahoma's going to do the exact same thing. We know exactly where their players are going to line up every single play. That's got to be easy on an offense to, to call plays over and over again 
because I mean Army is so efficient in the the the, the small number of plays they call. If they know what Oklahoma is going to do and how they're going to line up every play, I think that gave them an incredible advantage as the game went on and and the offensive coaches for Army continued to see Oklahoma go out there with basically essentially five players at the line of scrimmage, the two inside linebackers Curtis Bolton and Kenneth Murray the two corners on the outside and then the two deep safeties. And it, I think that it was just really easy for Army to continue to, to call plays against that same exact look throughout the entire game. Did you see all four of those kind of things, Grant? I'll, I'll, do you want to add anything to my, my list of why the Oklahoma was unsuccessful? Well, absolutely. I mean, the lack of depth was apparent. Um, the entire game, I was I was questioning why there were no substitutions. It seemed like... Uh, I think Ronnie Perkins was really the only guy who ever subbed in him and him and Dylan Famitau. Um, I mean, that's it. And so that was that was surprising to see. I mean, Curtis Bolton never came off the field. I know they don't really want ever they don't really want Kenneth Murray to ever come off the field, but Curtis Bolton sure never did. Ryan Jones never came off the field. Um, it was just it was interesting. They I it, it really seemed like. Uh, they they were just going into this game, and this is I'm talking about the coaching staff now. They went into this game just trying to get by, and I I don't like that. It's concerning. Do you think Nick Saban does that? I don't think so. I think he probably treats every single game as its own unique challenge, and and um so it, that does take me back to because Lee, one of the one of the the blatant things that I noticed during the game was that they were in the same defensive set on literally every single snap. That's really frustrating, especially when you're just, you know, when you keep getting, uh, when you keep getting, you know, gashed for three, four here, and then boom, they get seven yards on a little pitch. Uh, just they did nothing different. Uh, kept kept two safeties deep the entire time. They wouldn't put another guy in the box. Um, they wouldn't they wouldn't force the issue a little bit and maybe send pressure off the edges. They needed to send pressure off the edges so much more than they did, which was zero. Um, it, it seemed like they were just they were just kind of catching blocks and reacting to Army instead of forcing the issue. Just the, the exact same criticisms I had of them all of last season that looked like in the first couple games and maybe half of the Iowa State game had maybe been rectified a little bit. They showed no interest in being aggressive in this game, um, which I don't understand when you have such an athletic and, and strength advantage in the trenches and on the edge. I thought the I, I thought the secondary was woeful getting off blocks, and they seemed disinterested in getting off blocks. Um, Lincoln Riley and the presser said that the tackling was improved over the last week, and I I disagree entirely. I thought the tackling and the physicalness on the edge was non-existent and frankly bad. Um, there's really not a whole lot to say, Lee, other than they were they were not prepared to play this game, and that's a that's a black mark on the coaching staff and and. More specifically, Lincoln Riley and Mike Stoops, and I'm not I'm not the type of guy who's generally you know I, I usually like to stay nuanced about these things, and I want to keep stay level headed, and that's what I'm going to try to do here. But I, I don't think how you look at that game in any other way is just a, a as a referendum on the coaching staff. I, I I thought they did a really poor job. That that was probably the worst game uh, Lincoln Riley and his staff has had since he took over as head coach. I'll push back on one thing. I didn't have a problem with the tackling Saturday night, with the exception of one play in the second half that they had the, the third, quarter third and long, third and yeah. ten. They had the quarterback stop. Like four guys were there, and they got the guy scored out and get the first down. I thought the tackling was fine. The, I thought the I, I thought the angles took were terrible on the edge. Uh, they 
there, there was a lot of, you know, cutbacks and then slipping and, you know, letting them gain an extra three or four yards that shouldn't have happened. They, they just weren't very disciplined. I thought they, 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 it looked like they were on skates out there. They were confused and they were just, they were letting Army dictate the pace of play. And it's, it's, it's what they did all of last season. And it was just, it was frustrating kind of going back to it and, and seeing it again. And um, it, it makes me wonder if, 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 you know, they'll, they weren't going to hurt you that that much there, and if they did, you were just going to give the ball right back to your offense. It just makes no sense, Lee. Let's see. You mentioned that you had this sense that they were just trying to get through that game, the Oklahoma as a team and the coaching staff, and afterwards, something stood out to me And during Mike Stoops' presser. He said that that game, o- OU, is, they're happy that it's now over and it's behind them now because this game, he said that was was kind of weighing on them. And to me, it came off as like it had been weighing on them, not just for the last week, whenever they turned the page to Army, but maybe the last month since the season began, knowing that, hey, we got to, you know, week four, we got to face this unique Army team. And just to me, it, it, I, the fact that it was, you know, that they were that worried and it weighed on that much that they were playing a team. Yeah, I know the triple option is something you don't see a whole lot, but again, it's just, it's assignment football and, as a coach, you just need to make sure that you, you know, Mike Sue's been doing this forever. So he's got to have an idea of, okay, what's the best way to defend the triple option? Uh, let's, if I, if I don't know hundred percent right now for, cause it's been, you know, it's been eight years since we defended it, you know, heck, I mean, go back to old tape, you know, maybe he did go back to the old tape against air force. Heck, go back to the old tape from, I think 2000, 2001, 2002, whenever they played air force at air force and Oklahoma just ran the Falcons out and Derek Strait was awesome. You go back, go watch that old film and see what they did. And I know that maybe the offense is a little different between Air Force and Army, but essentially the principles are the same for the this kind of this kind of service academy offense. I mean, they're going to do a lot of the same stuff. And and so to me, I don't. I I bet we could go back and watch those games, Grant. And I I would doubt that the same defensive set, the essentially a five two, was what Oklahoma was running. I doubt that they ran that against those other triple option teams in the past. I, I just I would be shocked if we watched that tape and it was the same approach to the option. So it's just it's it's definitely troubling to me that this was the way because I'm not an expert. Okay, I, I'll say you know last week I was talking about how I'm very confident in my football knowledge and and if I say something it's not just coming out of nowhere. When it comes to defending the triple option, I'm not an expert on it. From what I understand, it's the whole the best way to defend it is to make it as simple as possible on the defense. And I talked about it last show, previewing Army. You basically have to have players that are responsible for the, the dive, the fullback dive, responsible for the quarterback, and responsible for the pitch man. And what I saw on Saturday is that they certainly knew who was responsible for the dive. Those interior linemen, Curtis Bolton and Kenneth Murray, the inside linebackers, which is correct. That's what you're supposed to have them do. But when it came to the quarterback and the pitch man, there seemed to be a lot of confusion about who had the quarterback and who had the pitch man on each play. And to me, it looked like the end players, whether it was Mark Jackson, whether it was Ryan Jones and uh, or Kenneth Mann, it, it seemed like those players weren't given distinct directions on, hey, listen, you got to either if you got to either crash down on in if the quarterback is going away from you and just set the edge there in case something comes back or if the play's coming towards you, you make sure you got the quarterback, you got to set that edge, and you got the quarterback. It seemed like there wasn't that sort of direction given to them, and they were almost having to guess 
or they were told that, hey, listen, you have either help on the dive or you've got the quarterback. Just kind of make a decision. That's what it looked like to me. And there were so many instances where the end player would crash on the dive looking to help out whenever they really didn't need to because the inside guys and the linebackers had it. And then the quarterback was able to break contain. And once one position, once one defender is not doing their job, then the whole play is 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 a, a failure for the defense because that's what Army wants. Then Army's got numbers. They have blockers out there, and they have other players uh, confused on defense, and they're going to get positive yardage. And that was a that was something that I just saw over and over again. Whenever Oklahoma's defensive end players, whoever was setting the edge, did key on the quarterback, those were the plays where Oklahoma's defense actually stopped Army for one yard or no gain or actually got in the backfield and stopped them for negative yard plays. And so it just – I think, like, why is this so difficult? Because whenever they're having success, they're, they're playing it correctly, but then they would all of a sudden not play it correctly a play later or two plays later, and Army would get a big gain. That's what was – that was another thing that was incredibly frustrating to me. Did you see that as well as you were watching? Yeah, of course, of course. the 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 outside linebackers on the edge uh, had had miserable games, and I'm I'm glad you bring that up. That it seemed like they were they were being taught to to kind of collapse onto the dive, and that's what got them in trouble over and over and over again. Um, Army's quarterback Lee rarely had any pressure on him when he was running the triple out when he was you know when he was running the option to his his right or his left with a pitch man. I mean, he had. He, there was just no pressure whatsoever. He was able to make easy pitches. He was able to read the defense easily. And you're right. You know, once there's once there's once that once that discipline breaks down once on the edge there at the outside linebackers, they instantly have numbers. And that's what we saw over and over again. And you saw um, Oklahoma's speed was sometimes able to uh, they were able to run it down anyway. But that just they were playing. It seemed like with a with a hand behind their back the entire game. And they were just, they were doing it to themselves. They weren't putting themselves in good positions. And I'll say it over and over again. They let Army dictate the pace of the game. And as as a defense, that's the exact opposite of what you want for any offense. You want to take the fight to the offense. That's how you play defense. And it's just, I, we said it weeks, weeks and weeks on end last year. And having to say it again, especially this early, and especially when we saw what we, you know, what we thought was maybe a turning of a corner in the first couple games. It's, I don't know. It it seems like Mike Stoops has kind of reverted back to his instincts. Or when I I don't want to, you know, I I don't want to uh, speculate what someone else is thinking in their head or what they do, you know, for their own personal reasons. But man, it's frustrating. And if if we see it, why can't he? At this point, I want to bring up again that Duke was able to hold this Army team. I guess I haven't really brought it up on this podcast, but we talked about it last show previewing. Army Duke held this Army team to just 14 points and and only 168 rushing yards back in week one and Oklahoma gave up over 300 rushing yards and uh, Army ran the ball I think 78 times against Oklahoma and they were only able to run the ball something like 40 something plays against Duke because Duke was able to get a lead and also was able to slow down the rushing attack and you know, Duke, yeah, Duke now is 4-0 and actually might be a pretty darn good football team this year, out of, kind of out of nowhere. But obviously Duke can't recruit 
anywhere close to the level of Oklahoma. So it's just it's incredible to add more to your it, this is frustrating kind of rant is it's really frustrating when you see a team like Duke really have no problems at all against Army three weeks ago and beat Army by 20 points and Oklahoma nearly lost to uh, this this Army team. And one of the things, too, that I saw in that Duke game when I was watching for at least the first half, it just seemed like every single play Duke had a linebacker come up at the line of scrimmage and just rush go either through the a gap or the b gap pick a gap and basically force army's quarterback to make a a decision quicker maybe than he would like to make and it didn't always work sometimes army would would run a play away from it and it didn't really work out and they'd get some positive yardage but sometimes you could tell that it it flustered army a bit and made them make a decision maybe that the quarterback did not want to make maybe either he gave it to the dive when he shouldn't have or he pulled it when he shouldn't have and he got hit in the backfield and Oklahoma for the entire game just never forced Army to do anything and just, like I said, kept showing the same exact defensive set the entire time. And, I, again, I want to reiterate, it had to have been incredibly easy relative to the ease of calling plays in the college football game for Army's coaches to call plays when they knew exactly what Oklahoma was going to be set up on or set up as defensively. I mean, they knew exactly what they were going to get from the Sooners every single snap and I think that had to have been a huge reason why Army was able to take the air out of the football and hold it for 40, uh, 45 minutes of that game. And Lee, I want to, and so I'm, I'm glad you, you bring a lot of that up because I want to make one thing absolutely clear uh, for anybody who thinks that, that the defensive game plan going in was sound, was okay in what they did. There is literally zero downside to being ultra-aggressive in that game against Army. Zero. If they pop off a big 60-yard touchdown on you, who cares? You're going to give the ball back to your offense who will score easily. It, it just doesn't, it makes no sense to me whatsoever. Why don't you bring the fight to them, at least get a few three and outs with some aggressive plays, or some, some aggressive play calls. There was zero downside. That the offense had no trouble moving the ball at all against Army. They moved the ball at will. And it was going to be like that the entire game. There was zero downside to being aggressive. None at all. Much like the Iowa State game where Grant Calcaterra's fumble when Oklahoma was leading 10 to 3 in the second quarter was a huge momentum shift for Iowa State and immediately the Cyclones got the ball with a shorter field and scored that huge first touchdown to Akeem Butler changed the entire landscape of that game I thought because Oklahoma's offense was moving the ball pretty well at that point and who knows they go down and they score a touchdown they get 17 to 3 OU's defense might play better the rest of the game because Iowa State's a little more predictable and that game could have been more of a blowout than it was a 10-point game in this game, there was a there was a the sequence that I thought had a huge impact in the game came after halftime, and yeah, sure the first half was close. Oklahoma had a touchdown lead, I believe, what what yeah twenty one to fourteen at halftime, and that first possession granted that second half when Army got the football, OU's defense it looked like they had figured it out during halftime of how to stop this triple option because. The, they were able to force Army to go three and out, and on each play during that sequence, those the three plays for Army, the end player kept contained, keyed on the quarterback, and were, was able to pretty much easily stop Army and make them punt, and then Oklahoma got the ball with a one-score lead, thinking, okay, they've scored three out of four possessions. The only time they didn't score was that last possession before the end of the first half. It's like, okay, they got the ball. They got plenty of time. Go down, make this a two-possession game, and 
at that point, Army might feel like, okay, we, we can't – I mean, we're still going to probably try to run our offense, but, you know, the, the seven, eight-minute drives, if you're down by two scores, you can't really do that as much. So maybe Army takes some more chances and they make more mistakes and Oklahoma's able to, to separate more. But what happens, though, and I guess we'll talk more about this in a bit when we talk about offense, that Kyler Murray interception was huge. At the, the first time Oklahoma had the football with a lead, they quickly gave it back to Army, and then Army could reset, and then the defense all of a sudden looked like, even though they figured it out on that first drive of the second half, it went right back to what we saw in the first half. And it was because of two plays as we continue talking to the defense, we've already talked about one of them, but there was a third and 10, the third and 10 on that next drive. So Oklahoma looked like they were going to get off the field again after Murray threw the pick army had third and 10 and they threw it for one of the rare times in the game. Cause it's third down and 10 Oklahoma should be able to stop that. And it was complete to the right side of the field, all the way across the field to that number five player. And I, I apologize. I don't have his name in front of me. And as I watched the, the film back, it looked like before the ball was thrown that Mark Jackson and Khalil Houghton were actually both manned up on the guy. It's like two guys were covering him, and it looked like they both had him well covered. But then when the ball was thrown and it was the camera panned back over for the guy to catch it, he was standing all by himself wide open to catch the ball, and Jackson and Houghton were like five yards up the field by, like together, and had to go up and make the tackle and I have no idea what happened on that play because they never showed a good replay of it which was so frustrating when they don't show good replays of why that happened because I don't know if they both slipped and fell down and that's why he was all of a sudden wide open but that was such a huge play because they had the guy covered and the quarterback threw it across the field and it's just like how is this guy wide open so that was a conversion on first down, or to get a first down. And then Oklahoma was able to get Army into third and 10 three plays later. And then was that third and long play that we talked about 10 minutes ago where the tackling was bad. Again, like the one time in the game where I thought the tackling was really bad. When they had the quarterback stop for a five-yard gain, four Oklahoma players were there, and they were just throwing shoulders at him, not, not wrapping up. And the quarterback spins out, gets the first down, and the rest of the drive, Army just went back to what they were doing in the first half. Three yards here, four yards here, boom, boom, boom. Then touchdown, game's tied at 21. So that sequence of events, too, I guess I just wanted to bring up, I thought was a huge turning point in this game and the reason why Oklahoma wasn't able to separate in the second half. Anything on any of that? Um, yeah, I mean, that's more of just analysis of how the game played out. Um, it never should have been an issue, um, and it never should have been an issue because that should have – they they should have accounted for that stuff in in preparation the week before the you should have won that game with a game plan with an aggressive game plan and it, it should just it never should have been an issue I, I'm I, I'm it's it, very disappointed in the coaching staff is basically just my my too long didn't read for this game because they were they were not prepared at all um, and just I, I'm I'm so disappointed in the defense Lee it, they they were they were so awful just so so bad well we have some facebook comments coming up later in the show and as you all might expect mike stoops is a hot topic of discussion grant i know you've already talked about it a lot so i i'll ask this question i already know your answer you may have already answered it is this a game where mike stoops should be getting a lot of criticism i would anticipate your answer is yes 
Yeah, yeah, and I, I, I don't, I mean, I don't really like the over-the-top criticism and or vulgarity or anything like that. But yeah, I mean, this is, um, this is certainly not a good look for Mike Stoops. Um, his defense was not prepared to play, and who else am I supposed to put that on other than the defensive coordinator and the head coach if they're not prepared to play, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's you have to kind of. I think it's fair to point out that Army's offense is so unique, and it's an offense that Oklahoma is not going to see the rest of the year. So it's, that's that's fine to point out on on a few busts, not them literally doing exactly what they wanted to do. That's that's exactly how Army wants to play. Everybody they want to win every single game like that, and Oklahoma just let them do it. They completely they completely ceded any advantage that they had talent. Uh, athleticism by just sitting there and letting Army do it whatever they wanted. And make no mistake about it, Oklahoma let them do that because they refused to leverage their advantages in the game. And that's, it's maddening and it's, you know, it's, I, I just don't understand how, how coaches can, can look at, you know, the preparation for the game leading up that week, looking at film and thinking that that defensive game plan was sound and okay for what they were trying to do in that game. It just makes no sense to me. It just adds to the the theory that we've had, or it's not even really a theory, but what we've actually seen on tape for the last two years of it just Oklahoma's defensive philosophy and it seems to be let's let the offense dictate everything and we'll just kind of react to it. We'll just kind of catch everything and hope that we don't get beat for a big play or uh, really that's kind of it. That's the only kind of reasoning I can think of, of why you play defense this way is just the thought is playing defense this way will keep everything in front of us and not allow the other team to, to pop off a big play and take the top off where, you know, Army didn't really have any big plays at all in that game. It's just they didn't need to because they had the ball for so long. But yet against Iowa State, the Cyclones were able to pop off some big time plays and Oklahoma played the same kind of defense. So it, it's, it's yeah, it's it's weird. I will say after the game, listening to Mike Stoops' the presser, he did he did get a bit defensive. And I'll read this quote, and it's quote's not going to do as much justice by hearing a tone of voice. But really, Mike Stoops' tone of voice is always kind of the same. He's always he sounds the same when he talks. But he said, um, "quote It's hard, it's frustrating, but I'm proud of the guys. They got the stops when we needed them. I mean, we needed them down the stretch, and we got them again." Everybody is going to have their own opinions. I don't know. We've got to continue to progress. End quote. I, man, I got to tell you, Grant, the we got the stops or they got the stops when we needed them line is, that's like about as old and tired as ever because what happens whenever they don't get the stops when you need them? Or why are you putting yourself even in those positions to have to get these stops against teams like Army late in the game? That just seems kind of like an excuse, like, a, oh, well, in the end, it was all great. It's like, well, it should never got to that point if the team would have been a little bit more prepared against a team like Army. Uh, the, the the line there where he says everybody's going to have their own opinions. I mean, Mike Stoops, he's he's been around it. He knows. He he knows there's criticism at him. I mean, he he takes it. So I mean, that was kind of like him obviously acknowledging that everyone that he pretty much knew that people are going to rag on the defense again after this game. Yeah, it, it just it it just really left me scratching my head, and and I'd be lying if I said I'm not concerned for the rest of the year because you know teams that win that win championships don't struggle with teams like Army. 
Um, and I know there's been seasons in the past where, you know, they've had, they've had really successful seasons and they've struggled with, you know, with, with bad teams early on that's happened before. Um, I don't know, Lee, I I'm seeing they've, they've gotten worse and worse every single week. Um, and it's, it's concerning. I don't know. They, they, they certainly have a lot to prove next week against Baylor. Um, because this is two weeks in a row where they haven't looked particularly well coached, to be honest with you. As I was doing some quick research uh, late Saturday night, trying to figure out, okay, what's the best way to defend the option? What are teams done? done? I, I stumbled upon a game from 2015 between Notre Dame and Georgia Tech, and Georgia Tech famously runs a triple option, Paul Johnson. And Georgia Tech's got a lot more talent than a team like Army. And in 2015, I looked at that game, and both teams were ranked in the top 15, and Notre Dame's defense against the Georgia Tech option attack held Georgia Tech to only like 216 yards rushing in that game. And I saw an article where it had some plays pulled out or, you know, of why Notre Dame was ha had so much success in that game and, and Notre Dame won the game. And you're going to, I don't know if this is ironic, a coincidence, what, but Notre Dame was running a three, four in that game. And, stopped the option and was able to create a lot of negative plays and it's like okay well Oklahoma normally runs a 3-4 what if just Oklahoma's base 3-4 defense what if that would have actually given them a better opportunity to, to create negative plays and, and get people in the backfield because it certainly worked for Notre Dame and, and those plays because it seemed like when they had instead of having five people at the line of scrimmage they had the three down linemen who were you know, responsible you know the interior guys and the linebackers responsible for the dive but you had the other linebackers the will and the Sam more spread out more in the alley to where you could eat more easily set the edge and have the quarterback. And then you had your alley player come in and have the pitch man. And, and the Georgia tech quarterback was, as you mentioned earlier, the, the army quarterback didn't have a whole lot of instances where he was pressured when he was running that option. That's that spread out option in that game. The highlights I saw, it looked like Georgia tech's quarterback almost immediately. Whenever you tried to go out and run the option, he was pressured right away and had to make a decision of whether or not to pitch the ball or hold on to it. And that created lots of negative plays. So I found, found that to be kind of interesting. What if Oklahoma's base 3-4 defense actually would have been a better strategy against this team? We'll never know. But at least in that game, it looked like it was. Yeah, literally anything else would have been a better strategy. And I know that's kind of a hacky thing to say, but I mean, it's, it's, it's actually true. They, they should have, they did the exact opposite of what you're supposed to do when you're defending the option. So I, it's, uh, once it, it's, it's frustrating. I don't know. We should probably move on. All right, Oklahoma only had the football for 15 minutes Saturday night and ran a measly 40 plays in the game. Yeah, Oklahoma moved the ball pretty well for the most part against Army, but could the offense have made this game a bit easier on the defense? That's a question I'll ask Grant here in a moment. But first, this is the point of the show where I want to remind you that if you enjoy listening to the show West of Evers, please consider leaving a rating and or review on iTunes. We very much appreciate all of you listeners who have already left your feedback. Your thoughts mean a lot to us, and it also helps us make the show better as time goes on. Plus, if you're on Facebook, search for the West of Evers Facebook page and give that a like. Facebook gives us an easy way to interact with all of you. Plus, you can send us messages and leave comments, which we'll do our best to get on the show from time to time. And as I mentioned uh, earlier in the show, a little later, we'll read you some of the Facebook comments that we've received about the game on Saturday night. So for those of you who liked the page and left us a note about the game on Facebook, We'll give you a shout-out here in a minute. 
Now onto the offense, and I'll ask you that question, Grant. Do you think the offense could have done anything to make things a bit easier on the defense on Saturday? Sure, they could have. Um, you know, I mean, they, they could have scored on that last possession to in the first half, but I, I, I can't stress this enough that they were in this position, you know, because the defense gave up three nine-plus-minute scoring drives. I mean, that's, that, that's why this happened. Um, so I, I, I have no doubt that in any sort of regular scenario or – or any sort of regular game where the Sooners would have gotten 11 or 12 possessions, they would have scored 50 points in this game, most likely. Um, they, the, the offense, I, I'm generally not in, insanely concerned about, other than just um, the lack of explosion in the running game, I thought was apparent again. Um, and I, yeah, I think, I think Rodney Anderson being out of this offense is, you know, is certainly something to watch because it's, it's, it's not like hindering them, but it just took away an element of their offense. Um, and it's, it's hard to think that, you know, if Rodney Anderson was in this game, I think they probably would have had a little more options. Um, I mean, who knows if he would have scored on those, the, the goal line stuff. So, I mean, I don't know, but yeah, I, I just think a, a lack of explosion in the running game is very, very apparent. And Trey Sermon is who he is and he's solid. And I, I think I had made the comment earlier this season that he's every bit the back that Samaj P. Ryan was. I think that was probably very hyperbolic on my part, especially what we've seen so far. Um, I don't know. I, I, you know, the, the game, the game was weird because the defense allowed it to be weird. Let's let, let's, let's not make any mistake about that. That, that is the story of this game. The offense averaged nearly 10 yards per play. Uh, they, it was just short of nine yards per play. Get it right. Okay. Come on. Sorry. Let's stick with the running back spot. And I've famously not been as worried about the whole situation as, you know, as, as maybe you have and some other does in the fan base. However, on Saturday, the only people who carried the football were Trey Sermon and Kyler Murray. I don't remember seeing Marcellius Sutton on the field at all in that game. Don't, don't know if there was any news about him afterwards. I don't know if he was injured or if he just, just didn't play his game plan. I mean, we saw TJ Pledger out there for a couple of plays. He did catch a short pass. Yeah, Oklahoma only ran those 40 plays in the game, so they probably couldn't get anywhere near throughout their entire game script or their game plan, whatever. But I'll admit now, Grant, that I am a little worried about the running back situation because, again, it's another game. It's against Army. Yeah, it was close, so maybe that's, again, why you see mostly Trey Sermon because it's a close game and you don't want to risk bringing in a, a younger player that could potentially fumble the ball away or make a mistake and cost Oklahoma a possession here and there, because especially when possessions were so valuable in that game. So that, that could have been why we still didn't see – players like Pledger much and or Kennedy Brooks at all and again I don't know why Marcellia Sutton wasn't out there but yeah Trey Sermon he's you see him more and more and more and to me he's increasingly be looking like more of a plotter than like a really dynamic running back uh, he just I like his patience but he just he lacks any sort of discernible breakaway speed any sort of ability to really get away from any tacklers and and I mean, this is against Army who they don't they don't have the, the best athletes, and he still he, he had a tough time really popping any sort of big plays. So I'll admit I am starting to get a little more concerned about the running back situation after these two games because, yeah, it just there's just no – there just isn't any pop or there's, there's no explosiveness to that running back group right now. And the only explosiveness out of the running game is whenever Kyler Murray – brings it down and scrambles or they have a design run play for him and he can get a block and get a little bit of running room and and he's obviously the fastest guy in the field so that is a that is a concern for me right now so I will I will admit that you were a little bit ahead of that 
Uh, hopefully that, that, that could still be figured out as time goes on. There's still plenty of time left for Oklahoma to figure this out, and maybe once Big 12 play gets here, they can run a little more plays, get more of a flow of a game. It'll be a little bit better, but uh, I guess we'll see. Uh, and other than that, I, I do have some thoughts on Kyler Murray, but before I get to that, I'll let you address any more running back things if you'd like. Um, so I, I just want to say I'm, I'm not concerned at all with – um, like lack of touches or not seeing Marcellius Sutton, they were on the field for forty uh, for forty plays in that game, Lee. And fatigue on offense was literally not a factor in the game. Um, that was a super weird game. I mean, there there was a point, Lee, in that game that in the fourth quarter where Oklahoma had only ran twenty two plays in the entire game. Yeah. So was, I, I just I mm-hmm. there there was fatigue was just not a factor whatsoever on offense, and thus and I I accept. Lincoln Riley's, you know, answers for that in the post-game press conference where he said, yeah, we, we ran 40 plays. Some guys are going to get shut out. And Marquise Brown, I mean, they tried to go to Marquise Brown deep downfield a few times, and they just they just didn't get there. So, like, you know, I, I'm not entirely concerned about, you know, the touches or anything like that. Um, and also, too, yeah, I mean, I think it's 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 very apparent that they miss Rodney Anderson in the running game. I thought that was obvious against Iowa State. I think people who were who didn't who didn't sense that were being a little a uh, little you know crimson colored glasses on that um but that doesn't mean that it can get better over the course of the season we still got there's two young guys Kennedy Brooks and TJ Pledger and as they get more comfortable we'll see if they get more opportunities it wouldn't be the first time that ever happened uh in 2015 Lincoln Riley's very first season they were uh they were pretty uneven on offense the first half of the season and then they exploded. They had a little cohesion, a little more cohesion on the offensive line. They got Joe Mixon involved a little more with his explosiveness and um they they're gonna they're gonna get better at the running back position as the season goes on just because that's there's there's enough evidence over the last three three seasons and change that they will. Um I don't think they're ever going to be able to recreate what Rodney Anderson was gonna add to the backfield, but you know they they can at least get a bit of explosion. I think T.J. Pleasure and, and hopefully Kennedy Brooks uh, will be able to provide that later on. Um, you know, other than that, I, I I really don't have a ton of issue with the offense in this game. Um, they had six possessions or seven possessions. I, I just I it's it's hard to really get a good ga- a, a great gauge on it when uh, a, a lot of the game was just dictated by Army holding on to the ball and the offense for the most part did what it needed to do. Um, except in the second half, when you put yourself in a close game like that, weird stuff is going to happen sometimes. You know, they were there to play, and Army made some plays. Um, I, there's really nothing else to say about it. The, the defense put put them in that position where it was a close game down the stretch. That simple. One more note, and this has been said ad nauseum, but it's worth being brought up again. At this point, a season ago, Rodney Anderson hadn't done anything for Oklahoma, and he busted out. So who knows? I there's there had and you mentioned the the previous years there's evidence that Oklahoma's running back situation gets better as time goes on so I think that's important to keep in mind and uh, as this schedule plays out more and more you know there there is that chance that somebody is is going to break out and and really take take a stranglehold and become a difference maker in that backfield so keep an eye out for that just quickly on Kyler Murray and and maybe this was just because he was on the field for only 15 total minutes and he didn't get into the flow of the game really because again like he was on the bench for so long but there was two particular throws late in the second quarter that his accuracy was not great that he threw well behind cd lamb that would have been a first down on second down 
And that was, I mean, that was an easy throw, and, and he should have made that and throw. I have, I have nothing else to say about that other than he's not Baker Mayfield. Um, you know, 70 to 80% of the time, Kyler Murray's been right on, which is, for a college quarterback, is elite. Is, and he's not Baker Mayfield, but, you know, you, you see him make up some of those throws, Lee, with his running ability, which he really showed off in that game. He had some really impressive uh, running decisions in that game, I thought. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, he's not Baker Mayfield, and he finished the game eleven of fifteen. So he also completed a lot of passes. It just, just that, that just, sequence just I think was big because it 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 left a lot of yards on the field, and then the play right after was whenever he went for Marquise Brown, and he had he had Brown open, and he overthrew him, and I mean that would have been a touchdown if he would have been on target there. So, in a game where you real where, where you really only have six real possessions, any sort of small mistake by the offense is just going to be magnified. True. Um, and, and I'm I'm going to keep going back to it. It's the defense that put them in that situation. I, I just I, I cannot stress that enough. Uh, of course, if you're going to analyze the game on like on a play by play basis, of course you can point to a single play here where the offense could have helped the defense. But I can I, I can point to like 65 to 70 plays where the defense could have helped the offense, and they didn't. So this is th- this game is 100 percent on the defense, and I I don't want to hear it. And, and any other thing, because this this game is not really on the offensive shoulder at all. But what about uh, what about the offensive line? I, I kicked around the idea of having my opening take being about the offensive line, because that was pretty concerning when they couldn't push the pile a yard twice down in the fourth quarter to get a touchdown to to go up by a t- to go up by a score. And then that gave the army the ball back. I. And, I, and to be fair, after the game, Lincoln Riley was asked about that whenever Oklahoma was turned away at the goal line on fourth down. And Riley said, hey, that was one, it was a bad call by me, bad play call by me. And two, we just didn't, didn't get enough push up front. So, again, Riley taking a, a bit of the blame for, you know, whatever the, the play was that he called. Uh, that, that was concerning to me because Oklahoma's offensive line is supposed to be very good. And, man, they, they could not create enough push to get a yard. And you can maybe maybe argue, hey, call a different play. You got Kyler Murray. Why not do like a read option and let the guy go off the edge and outrun somebody to the corner and score? I, I mean, in hindsight's twenty twenty. I bet Lincoln Riley would have much rather had that play call in and have his dynamic quarterback hold the ball instead of trying to go up the gut twice. Uh, that was concerning to me uh, because it just Oklahoma's offensive line is so good, and that's what they're supposed to be able to do, especially against a team like Army. What were your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I think I obviously I would have liked them to get a better push and they would have scored. But at the same time, there were gaping holes for running backs to run through that entire game when they had the opportunity. Um, so, I mean, the offensive line was not bad by any stretch of the imagination. I think Army on that particular those those back to back particular plays, they made they made the play. They sold out on on them running it up the middle and they were able to fill the holes that happens sometimes. Um, for the for the most part, I thought. I mean, some some of the holes that Trey Sermon had to run through, you could you could have drove a truck through. Um, outside of the one sack that Murray took, which was on a delayed blitz, uh, he he had he had about the cleanest pocket to throw from I've ever seen in that game. For the most part, um, I thought the offensive line actually looked looked quite a bit better this week than they did against Iowa State last week. Um, I'm not, ins- I, I just, I, I just don't come away from this game insanely worried about the offense. I, I don't. This was, I'm going to keep going back to it. They had six real possessions. That was it. Um, and 
And I, I just I want to look at this. This is so interesting to me, too, Lee. I'm, I'm looking at this week's S&P rankings that have they, they just dropped um, while we're doing this podcast. Oh, you went up in the rankings. Hmm. Um, and and I, I'm assuming it's because they were so I, I wouldn't be surprised if they had a success rate on offense close to 75 percent. That's probably why. All right. Would would be my guess, and also, I mean, Army probably only had only average what probably like four and a half yards per play in that game. It was like four point two. I did the math. Okay, so, but I mean, still, I, I'm not I'm not excusing anything. I just which I, I is thought perfect it was weird. for Army because Army's designed to to yeah. get three four yards a pop and be able to get did. And, like and, literally they did and they're i mean they're designed to go for it on fourth down and get those fourth down and twos and like it's easy for them to get those it's just man it's it went perfectly so, for no, the, I, the cadets yeah i i just I, I wanted to point them out moving up in snp just because I, I think that's largely because of the offense because really outside of you know outside of that that one little like four play drive at the end of the first half where Kyler got sacked Oklahoma's offensively literally did whatever they wanted they were barely in third down the entire game before we get to the Facebook comments one last topic I think we got to talk about real quick and Austin Seibert all the goodwill that he has built up since that kick six against Houston which really I guess really wasn't even his fault because that was a ridiculously long field goal and then just the whole game changed on that. I mean, he's been he was so good in 2017 and he's been good so far in 2018. He misses it right down the middle, thirty basically an NFL extra point distance field goal that would have won the game. And Riley talked last week about how Cybert's ability, his kicking ability, allows the offense and allows Lincoln Riley to take more chances on offense. And it's clear that Riley's got plenty of confidence in Austin Seibert. Or, you know, at least he had confidence. Uh, after the game, though, I, I will say Riley was asked about Austin Seibert. And Riley said, yep, you know, Seibert, he'll make the next one. And just keeping up that confidence. So I, I guess we'll see moving forward if that's just a, a public vote of confidence. Or we'll see if maybe that confidence and Austin Seibert dwindles a bit based on the kind of decisions that Oklahoma's offense will make in the coming weeks. Man, that was so disappointing to see him miss that field goal because he has been so good for the last year and change. And even at the end of 2016, I think he was really good. I, I mean, hopefully it was just a weird, fluky thing and, and it, he doesn't think about it anymore and it doesn't kill his confidence. But a missed field goal like that could really, really hurt him at the rest of the season, Grant. This is concerning. Yeah, um, and hey, hey I, I'll, of, of course I would have liked to see Austin Seibert make that field goal. Hey, still have uh, still in the Stoop slash Riley era, still has not been a, a last-second game-winning field goal in, in the entire era. And, uh, oh, wow. Anywho, yeah, but pull. still, yeah, uh, still, though, Lee, I, I will actually, I'm going to let Austin Seibert off the hook here. He never should have been put in that position. I, I'm going to put Lincoln Riley on blast here absolutely the wrong call playing for a field goal in that situation that's awful by every analytical measure he made the wrong decision there and he should know better than that well at what point let's see i mean it, it got to the point where clearly no, he was when playing you, for one but i mean what could he have done differently because i was i was kicking this score around. a touchdown there's plenty they, they let the play clock run they, they could have gone quick they could have ran. They could. They could have ran the ball all the way down the field for a touchdown if they wanted to. 
I mean, it was, I, I just, it was, I, and I know, I, I know it's super easy to say this in hindsight, but I was saying it during the entire drive. Do not rely on your field goal kicker here. It's stupid. The entire history of college football disagrees with your decision here. It's, it was, I, I agree. When, when you had that much time and you're doing whatever you want on offense the entire game, don't put it in the hands of a field goal kicker ever. Ever, ever, ever. It, it's, it's moronic. It's bad coaching. Uh, I mean, generally, I agree. It's just when you go back and you, you think about and when I rewatched the game, I just I kind of liked what they were doing. And you clearly could tell that, OK, we're not going to make a, a risky play call here and have Kyler throw a pick. We're not going to put the ball in the air, really, unless we really absolutely have to, which they never necessarily had to on that drive. Uh, he already threw one earlier in the game. I don't know. I mean, and, and also, too, it's just. Lincoln Riley has a ton of confidence in Austin Seibert, and he got he got him in position to kick a really easy field goal. And when you have a lot of confidence in your field goal kicker, and it's a really easy field goal, and also it's a it's a situation where you can even you can build this confidence even more by kicking a game winning field goal, and that could be so valuable as the season progresses. I understand what he was doing. I understand. I get it. It just it backfired big time. Oh, I completely understand it as well, but that doesn't that doesn't change the fact that it was a really bad decision. It was a bad decision while he was making the decision, and it's a bad decision in hindsight. I just uh, I don't the- I, I don't care if you have the best kicker in the country, like bona fide best kicker in the country. That was that still would have been a bad play there. Uh, it's just, I think it's really easy to to say that. I mean, you get down and sure the play call wherever Kyler Murray you know went to the middle of the field and took a knee and they called timeout. You know, you think should have just ran a play there. Like why not just run a play towards the middle of the field and see if they bust for a touchdown. But then, you know, what if they run a play there and they, they go and it's actually, they bust outside and they don't score a touchdown and it's on like the right hash. And then cyber comes in and then kicks a field goal and they miss it. And they're like, Oh, why, why didn't they get it to the middle of the field? So it was easier field goal. It, it, It was on the hash. It's so there would be that, that discussion too. I just I think that's all these things have to be taken no, into Lee, account. You're, yeah, but you're also forgetting they had three timeouts and they they were getting chunk plays early in that drive. Just finish it off and score a freaking touchdown. Like just leave no doubt. I mean, you. Uh, but of course, I mean it, it kind of was consistent with what they did the entire game. So I, I guess in that respect, it's it's just not they they coach scared in that game and they have no reason to. They, they, Army was not going to beat them unless you let them beat them. And that's what they did over the course of that entire game. And that's what's so frustratingly. All right. Before the show, we asked you all on Facebook what your biggest takeaway from the game was. Let's jump into those comments right now. We got a, we got a few good comments. We'll start with from uh, TJ's comment. TJ says, quote, no shocker here, but Mike Stoops has got to go. OU was totally not focused and was ill-prepared for this game. It was a bad game to have a plan for in the middle of the season, but it's over and done with now. So TJ with uh, Mike Stoops has got to go comment. Um, I mean, it's clear that we somewhat share some of his sent- – I, I, you know, I'm not considering to say fire Mike Stoops. It's just it's, – that's kind of old at this point. It's like he's going to be the defensive coordinator. At this point, you kind of just hope that Oklahoma can improve, can improve, can improve. Any thoughts on TJ's thoughts, Grant? Yeah, I, uh, we can just, I guess, hope that he, that he kind of reverts back to week one and two, Mike Stoops, or 
Um, I guess we, we just hope that over the next couple weeks they can get a lot more healthy, I, I suppose, because it seems like when he feels like he has a lot of depth um, that he's got a little more, you know, bullets in the chamber. But I just I, – I, I don't know why that would affect their game plan against Army, to be totally honest with you. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's, just, it's just galaxy brain stuff to me. If you – especially they – what, they had three guys out on, on defense we don't know I mean Robert Barnes may have been out too because we didn't see him but Trey Brown was was in a was in street clothes and then of course Tyree Slot and, and Marquez Overton out I, I don't so your your idea there is just to sit there and play basically play catcher mitt defense and just let Army come to you just kind of just kind of take on the blocks or whatever when they come to you and just let them gain three or four yards at a pop and you don't have any depth that's your game plan not just get really aggressive to try to get them off the field quickly because you have no depth. I just what in what world does that make sense? Hmm. Benjamin has a comment. Pretty interesting. He's trying to put things in perspective for all of us. He says Oklahoma is not a national championship winning team, probably not even a conference winning team. We need to let go of those expectations and just enjoy the rest of the season. Or else we're going to be banging our heads against the wall all year. And then Benjamin also adds, another big and obvious takeaway is that Mike Stoops lacks the mindset to create a solid Oklahoma defense to meet our offense. He's the weakest link in the program by far. I'll comment on the first part of it. I Obviously, I'm not going to go as far to admit that Oklahoma is not a national championship winning team yet. Uh, certainly the last two weeks, they have provided evidence that Oklahoma certainly is not a national title contender because of the way the defense has played. Uh, he also says probably not even a conference winning team. I'd still, I'm still pretty confident Oklahoma's the favorite to win the big 12. Uh, the big 12 just is not particularly great. And Oklahoma's just owned this conference for the most part. Uh, you know, I, I will say his Benjamin saying that Oklahoma fans need to let go of those, all those expectations and just enjoy the rest of the season. For me, Benjamin, if there's no national championship in, at the end of the tunnel, I can't really enjoy the season because to me, it, who cares? It's just I am such a – and a lot of people think I'm crazy for this. I If there's no chance to win a title and you're – I mean, again, like we're Oklahoma supporters. We like Oklahoma. We're not – I mean, Grant, you went to Minnesota. I mean, for Minnesota fans, Minnesota, I mean, it would be – it would basically feel like the national title game if Minnesota made like the Rose Bowl. That would feel like the national title. But it's like in Oklahoma – if you're not in contention to win a title, I just oh another Big Twelve title. Who cares? Oklahoma's won so many Big Twelve titles. It just doesn't doesn't move the needle for me. So uh, I just I guess what I'm saying is I I can't let go of expectations of winning a title because then I there's no way I would really enjoy the rest of the season because what what would be the point? Oklahoma oh maybe goes and plays in like the Fiesta Bowl or something. Who cares about a, a meaningless bowl game? So I'll I'll stop there and I'll let you comment on Benjamin's comments. Um, well, yeah, I mean, based off where we are currently in the season, Oklahoma certainly is not a national championship caliber team as of right now. Um, I'm same with you. I'm not I'm not willing to wade, you know, f- or go go all in on them. I'm just kind of saying, you know, this season's sort of a lost cause. I'm not going to do that yet. I I I agree. I still think they're the favorite in the Big Twelve. 
Um, I, I, I agree with him from an emotional level that as fans, we should always just let go of expectations, enjoy the rest of the season. And of course, Lee, with your thoughts, um, I'm, I don't share your same thoughts about that college football and OU football is awesome, regardless of national championship. Uh, obviously I prefer the national cha- or contending for a national championship, but I'm going to enjoy and love OU football either way. You and I just differ in, in that regard. Well, and this is why. Again, I, I will bang this drum forever, and it's never going to happen. I mean, this is why the playoff needs to be a lot more teams because more fan bases would actually care as the season went, uh, moves on. Whenever they their favorite team loses a game or two, they could actually have a chance to make the playoff. That's why the NFL is so great. You're allowed to lose a few games here and there. You can still make the playoffs and still win the Super Bowl. In college football, I, I mean, more power to you. But it's just if, if there's not a chance to win the most important, the biggest prize at the end and the biggest team prize to me, it just doesn't nothing. It doesn't move the needle for me uh, at all. Uh, and then you know, Benjamin criticizing Mike Stoops. Um, you know, it's it's I mean, this is this is a, a statement that you cannot argue. It's 100 percent true. The defense by far, of course, is the weakest link of Oklahoma's program. The offense has been the best offense in college football for the past three years. So that's not a surprise. But yeah, it's it's certainly continually it's continuing to be more and more frustrating that Oklahoma cannot put out a defense to match that offense and help the offense out, um, and, and and against against these kinds of teams that aren't explosive on offense like Iowa State and again and on an Army, it's just the really good college football teams that win national titles. The defenses just go in there and shut these teams down. And it's not even a game. And that's why it's like use the eyeball test. That's why it's like, man, it's it's really difficult to see Oklahoma competing at a high level when they can't do this against teams like Army. Oh, and also, Grant, Benjamin had one more comment, and it was about the pay-per-view. He says it's, it's pretty uh, – I'm going to edit this. He says it's pretty crappy of Fox for making the game a pay-per-view game. And, yeah, it's – yeah, how did you watch the game, Grant? Did you – could you order pay-per-view? No, I watched it on Reddit. College football streams. <laughs> right. so no, no. I mean, I, I, fifty-five dollars is 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 ridiculous. That's ridiculous. Yeah, I, I, sh- I, I share your, I, yeah, I, I share your frustrations, Benjamin. Um, I've, man, I've I've spent thousands of dollars on this program, maybe tens of thousands of dollars on this program supporting them. Uh, it's yeah, it's it's certainly frustrating, you know, that I had to spend an extra fifty-five dollars to watch the program, and I, 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 I basically you know buy cable and internet just to watch OU football. Um, so yeah, it's, it's frustrating and that's a situation where I honestly, I feel no regret pirating the game because I thought it was a little ridiculous. Um, but also the same part of me, I understand why Fox did it because they know they have the fan base in Oklahoma that people will pay because people value the product so much. So I, I understand where Fox is coming from, but certainly emotionally as a fan, it's really frustrating. I, I kind of wish OU would step in in those situations because, there's there's a lot of fans out there where you know spending fifty five dollars is is not necessarily realistic for a lot of people, uh, you know who would really love to watch the game. I mean, people would spend fifty five bucks if it's like OU Texas, but I mean, you're paying fifty five dollars for. It's always like the one game a year where it's the they don't they don't want to put it on national TV because it's just not as attractive. And I learned something about this too. I I found a column uh, from. 
Barry Trammell of the Oklahoman in August. He, he wrote about this, about the pay-per-view thing. I, I always thought it was Oklahoma who who did this and just like, ah, we every year we want to have one game on pay-per-view and we just know people will pay it and we'll make a little extra money. But actually, yeah, it is. It's a Fox thing because and Barry and it has nothing. Lee, it has nothing to do with viewership. Uh, Army Oklahoma would have gotten way more viewers than Kansas Baylor. Even if it was oh, like yeah. a fifty-point yeah. OU win, it's, it's all—it's all Fox knowing that OU's fan base will be able will pony up the cash. This this all this is the fault. Um, Oklahoma as a as a school actually doesn't bear really any blame here at all. Uh, it's on the Big Twelve first of all, and then Fox because the Big Twelve was the one who negotiated the 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 television rights, and Fox, you know, they're gonna their their job is to make money, so they're they see an opportunity to make more money, and there it is. Let me read this from Barry's column, and you're right, and I didn't know this, just so everyone else that maybe not doesn't know this either, this is from Barry Trammell's column from August 30th. He says, every Big 12 member retains one non-conference football game per year for its own distribution. OU years ago signed on with Fox Sports to create the Sooner Sports Network, and part of that agreement was giving Fox Sports the rights to that third-tier game. Fox Sports can do anything at once with the game, sell the game to another network, put it on the over-the-air broadcast, place it on cable, don't televise it at all, show it on pay-per-view. And Barry continues, pay-per-view is the most lucrative platform for Fox since OU fans have a long history of purchasing pay-per-view offerings, even at $54.99, the cost of the OU Army game. So there you go. And he also says that Sooner officials privately lament this decision. They wanted that, that OU Army game to be on national TV to be a big-time spectacle, so... I learned something. I didn't know that it was that detail. I always kind of thought it was just Oklahoma going for a cash grab, and it's not. So I was wrong about that. A couple more comments. Yeah, do you anything else you want to add? Uh, no, no. Okay. I was just gonna. I was just gonna say, yep. Oh, okay. A couple more comments, and we'll get out of here. Dakota has a comment. Says the uh, the offense should share the blame for this game. They had chances to pull away, but did not execute. And if you've listened to this entire podcast, Dakota. You probably got you probably inferred a little bit that I kind of somewhat agree with you, although Grant does not agree at all and puts it all on the defense. I, you know, it, my principle kind of goes back to the Rose Bowl. It's like this offense is, and granted, Baker Mayfield's gone, so it's maybe not as fair to hold this offense to the same standard. But it's just the offense is so good when you have a chance to put games away or do things, just do it because you know the defense isn't very good. <laughs> so please take care of business on the offensive side of the ball. That's it's just I don't think it's. I don't think that's I don't think that's realistic whatsoever. It wasn't realistic last year. They almost got away with it because they had the best quarterback in the history of college football. Okay. All right. And finally, JC with a comment from Facebook on his uh, his biggest takeaway from OU Army. JC says Oklahoma has been spoiled with the likes of P. Ryan, Mixon, Flowers, and Anderson in the backfield the last several years. The loss of Rodney Anderson, in my opinion, hurts worse than everyone portrays it. And uh, as uh, as I said earlier, JC, I'm I'm starting to I'm starting to kind of evolve on my thoughts on that as well. You know, I agree with that, but also I do want to say this: uh, Carson Meyer has done a very valiant job, I think, of replacing Dimitri Flowers. Yeah, absolutely. He uh, caught his first touchdown on Saturday. Very nice play call. He almost had a second touchdown. I think the ball went through his hands, so he could add two. Uh, yeah, he's he's been good. He has been good. Good for him. He's been good. He, he's 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 been he's he's been a plus on this offense. 
Thank you for all the comments from Facebook. We got a lot of smart listeners out there. I got to say, it, it makes me very happy that our listeners are this intelligent. You know, Grant and I try to put out high level products, high level episodes every week where we discuss football with, with a lot of nuance. So it seems like a lot of you listeners out there want the same thing. So some good stuff there. That's it for us today. We'll be back later on this week to preview the Baylor game. Until then, for Grant, I am Lee. This is West of Everest.